Our gospel is, and this Transfiguration Sunday is the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the ninth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and went up the mountain to pray. While he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. Just then, a man from the crowd shouted, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son. He is my only child. Suddenly, a spirit seizes him, and all at once he shrieks. It convulses him until he foams at the mouth. It mauls him and will scarcely leave him. I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, You faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon dashed him to the ground in convulsions. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And all were astounded at the greatness of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. The assembly may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. On Wednesday, I wrote a really good sermon. And I'm not going to preach that sermon, as it turns out. But it was really good. I'm telling you, you're missing out. It was this take that was inspired by Queer Eyes Jonathan Van Ness that talked all about the skincare routine of God that leaves your face radiant, just like the radiant faces of, of Moses and Jesus here today. It was going to be so good. And then on my day off, I made a mistake. I turned on the news, and I realized that that sermon wasn't going to preach anymore. I realized that everything that I thought I had to offer no longer seemed to make sense. Indeed, what I saw was something that overshadowed not only our news cycle, but also overshadowed the very good news that I felt inclined to share here today. It was the things that I saw, an exodus of people as, as tanks rolled through streets and countrysides. It was the sound of air raid sirens that led me to ask that question, what, what is our good news today? Where is God's glory shining through on this Transfiguration Sunday filled with the brightness of it? Indeed, I sat there listening and watching, hoping that I would be inspired to share with you that news. And so today, here we are. We're gathered in this moment. It is Transfiguration. There is plenty to be thankful for, 
And I hope that together we can listen. And I hope that together we can pray. And I hope that together we can leave with the good news on our hearts. In fact, Jesus today is in prayer. It's prayer that leads into this moment of transfiguration on the mountaintop. And transfiguration, you may know, is some of the most complex and dangerous magic that you're going to learn at Hogwarts. Or at least that's what Professor McGonagall tells us. I've been rereading Harry Potter, right? So I know, I know what transfiguration is. And I also know that transfiguration is no trick. You see, transfiguration is the consequence of being in the presence of the divine. The consequence of experiencing God's divine glory is radiating that very glory from our own selves, our own bodies, just as Moses does in our first reading and Jesus does in our gospel. And it's not our job, I think, to explain what it is, because explaining what it is doesn't change what it does. What it does is reminds us of God's purpose, of God's glory for us. What it does today is it sparks a conversation on the mountaintop between Jesus, Elijah, and Moses, and a few select disciples. A conversation about Jesus' impending departure. His departure, though, I think is a term better translated, in my opinion, as exodus. Jesus' impending exodus. You may or may not recall what the Exodus is. The Exodus, you see, is the supreme act of God's divine liberation and salvation for God's people. The psalmist describes the Exodus of the Israelites from the Old Testament as having been led by the very outstretched arm of God. Moses, you see, Moses leads an Exodus in the Old Testament. It's an arduous 40-year journey. A 40-year journey through the wilderness, from slavery into liberation, slavery into freedom, led each and every step of the way by God's voice in a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. But you know what happens? People don't always listen. And so this journey drags on, and it's filled with sorrow and heartache, It's a difficult journey these people are led through. People then and now get so easily distracted by shiny things that we quickly lose track of God's shining glory right before our faces. Whether that shiny thing be a golden calf or that shiny thing be a neighboring country's borders, we get distracted by shiny things. Jesus today with his shining radiance, himself is getting ready for an exodus journey. His journey will lead him to that ultimate act of salvation in Jerusalem with his arms outstretched on the cross. In it, working liberation from death and sin itself. But in order to experience the fullness of that promise, the fullness of that liberation, we must be willing to listen to what it is that God is saying to us. And that's what I tried to do on Friday. I sat on the couch in my mind trying to figure out what is God doing here? Where is God's glory shining through these images on my TV that give me nothing but heartache? And so I did the thing that Jesus does this morning. I prayed. 
And I looked around me, and it seemed like everybody was praying, sharing prayers on social media, asking for, for help, whatever it was. And the prayers included but weren't limited to safety, peace, diplomacy, guidance, love, and truth, just to name a few. But here's the hard truth. Prayer, like transfiguration, isn't a trick. Because if it was, then events like this in the world would never happen. This wouldn't be an issue. If prayer worked like a trick, then we would all be peacefully sharing this planet together. But we know that's just not how it works. But what I've oftentimes come to realize is that prayer is our beckoning to God to transfigure our pain and our grief. Much like the Father standing at the base of the mountain waiting for Jesus as he comes down from that mountaintop experience. That father who's holding in his arms his son who is clinging to life with convulsion after convulsion, unable to find relief even in the hands of the disciples themselves. It's that father who's so desperate that he begs Jesus for help. He prays to Jesus to help him. And as I watched the news this week, it felt like I was seeing that thing play out again. Parents clinging their children tight, saying goodbye as they joined a war effort that they didn't want to be dragged into. We see this playing out in our world around us. But Jesus does something remarkable. Jesus pulls the child in, and he transfigures the child too. The child is healed and made new and sent to live. And I think that's the key of transfiguration this day is it's not just Jesus' transfiguration that matters. It's our transfiguration that matters too. That our lives change too after seeing the radiant glory of God and all of its peace and love and hope and mercy that it offers us in our world. In other words, Jesus' ways, God's ways need to transfigure us, and the only way we're going to know those ways is if we listen to those ways. And then that got my mind going. Where have I heard God speak words of transfiguration into conflict? And suddenly it hit me. Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah offers just this vision that I needed to hear, the good news I needed spoken into my soul. And this is what Isaiah offers in the second chapter. The nations shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. That right there is a vision of transfiguration. Transfiguration of implements of war into implements of agriculture, of growth, of life, of sustenance. That's the vision that we must hold in front of ourselves in these difficult moments. But in order to learn the ways of God, we have to listen to the ways of God, who speaks power to truth, peace to war, liberation to domination. This last week, it felt real, real helpless sitting on my couch, wondering what action I should be taking, knowing that action is necessary in moments of unrest and war like this. 
And what I was led back to again was that opportunity to listen and to pray, to hear where God is leading us as we pray for people who are experiencing their own exodus at this moment. And so I think what I'd like to actually do now is take an opportunity to do that very work, to listen and to pray. And so I'd invite you into a moment of silence followed by a moment of prayer. Gracious and holy God, you transfigure us. You lead us from death to life, from falsehood to truth. Lead us from despair to hope, from fear to trust. Lead us from hate to love, from war to peace. Let peace fill our hearts, our world, our universe. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen.